Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is up in New Jersey. And we are going to be talking about the Purchasing Managers Index number that comes out with the ISM report that we anxiously await on the first day, first business day of every month. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Lou, looks like it's going to be a good report. I'm anxious to get Tim Fiore on with. Well, let's let's get him on. He's costing too much per minute. <laughs> oh, good, good, good morning, gentlemen. So, yep, 58.7 PMI number, fantastic number. I mean, if you look at it, it's the second highest number in the last six months if you uh, exclude the hurricane number back in uh, September of last year, which, you know, had the, uh, the impacts of the hurricane, drove up supplier delivery numbers and so forth. So really, really strong number. And uh, as, you know, what you really want to see is, How's demand doing? And, and uh, demand did well again, 63.7. Uh, the demand error, we were up 2.5 points from April, which was a good month, too. So all six big industry sectors, 15 of 18 industries expanded. We've had 13 months of over 60 expansion, uh, which is really good. So uh, the customer inventory number declined to under 40 for the first time since May which indicates a future opportunity to satisfy that inventory demand. And then the backlog number was uh, at its highest level for the second consecutive month that it hadn't seen those kind of levels since 2004. So really, really good demand numbers. It's almost like yet we don't have anything to talk about. (laughs) Everything's too good. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's always a story, right? I mean, the story this month is really around the consumption side. Uh, can you imagine if uh, Puerto Rico's numbers were in here and improved our lot and improved their situation? Unemployment might be down to 3.3. Yeah, well, if we could send some of that production output to them, that would probably help too, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, everybody's happy, with, according to the comments uh, on the report. And I, I guess the. Uh, one of the things to talk about is how long is this going to go on for? I mean, this is fabulous. Well, let's uh, let's dig in a little deeper, right, and, and uh, understand sure. a little bit more about what's happened in May because with, with what's happened with the announcement of real tariffs going into place as of this morning, uh, June is uh, is a big gasp. But let's let's talk about May first. So, on the consumption side, which you guys know, I consider production and employment as a consumption element. We actually gained 6.4 points from uh, from April, which uh, is a really strong rebound. Production reversed four months of expansion softening, and employment reversed two months of expansion softening. And all six big industries uh, contributed to that. So the that was really the story of the month: is that production responded to the uh, to the steady high demands. Uh, which really, you know, bumped the PMI number up to 58.7, second highest number in six months. So, you know, in that consumption number, a lot of comments around labor problems, not only in their own factories, but also in their sub-suppliers' factories. So let's get to the input side, which I think is the uh, 
it's a real story about and a prediction about what could happen in June if you ignore the tariff changes. So, you know, input is supplier deliveries as well as inventories, and I also consider the uh, imports in this category, but uh, the imports don't affect the PMI number. So we had a negative uh, 1.6 point change if you combine those two. The supplier delivery number, uh, 0.9 point growth. So it's been bouncing between 60 and 62 uh, over the last four months. I think it's kind of stable, or it was stable at that point. And you can say, all right, that's a strong number too, 60, 62. Remember, over 50 is expansion, under 50 is contraction. So suppliers are continuing to struggle. You want them to struggle because that indicates that they would then have to go and reinvest and hire people and, and buy more for their uh, to satisfy their own requirements. So so that number was good, but the uh, the real issue here is that inventories, uh, they continue to spam, but only marginally, and they're you know not even a point away from a contraction. So, and, and why is that? So, you know, if the suppliers can deliver on time, then that inventory account will grow to meet the expected output demand. But if they can't deliver on time, uh, then you're going to see inventory accounts most likely drop over time, and that's what's been happening. We've had several months here of steady decline. Reasons for transportation disruptions, lots of them, they're not going away. A lot of comments from the community about uh, not only price growth, but also the inability to reliably plan for a truck to show up. Uh, Tariff-related impacts, you know, the lead time impact that came along with the tariff changes three months ago, the fact that prices got driven up and buyers are not the first one to say, sure, I'll take that price increase. So. There was probably a lot of issues around lead time, and uh, when you thought you might get material delivered on the 15th of May, the supplier didn't get it to you until the 30th. And then, of course, the suppliers have labor issues that uh, they'll be they'll probably be the last to solve the labor issue, and probably the last to spend uh, you know capex or span their capacity. So, I think all of those weighed really heavily on the inventory count. We saw the inventory count almost uh, contract. Uh, if it had stayed up at a level consistent with the output and the demand, call it 55, 58, then we could have uh, seen close to a 60 PMI. According to um, one particular anomaly that I sort of picked up on, maybe you can explain it for me. Um, in the commodity pricing, the items in short supply, that steel and steel-based products is in short supply, but yet in the commodity price increases, the price of steel has gone up, stainless steel has gone up, and this is primarily uh, domestic. So domestic steel prices have gone up because there's now a tariff in place and they can take advantage of a situation. Uh, is that a possibility, Anthony? We, yeah, we've talked about this for the uh, last couple of months. So, yeah, yeah once the tariffs were announced, the, the prices all rose to the presumed tariff level. So, right. uh, you know, Lou, you know that steel generally, uh, in a normal economy with you know, moderate expansion, six forty a ton, a short ton. Uh, last time I looked in the in the journal, it was running at eight eight forty eight fifty, and in the last ten days, they have. Uh, not publish the price because it's not available, which means to me it's moving so fast they don't even have, they can't even pin it down. So, <laughs> right. I, I think from a from the uh, U.S. economy standpoint, I think the price levels aren't going to change much from where they are today. And I think with the fact that you are going to have tariffs going into place, then you've essentially taken some uncertainty out. 
uh, but what you so that will help with supply chain issues. Uh, but you've also essentially cast in place the price growth position for the rest of the year. And you guys know we did the semi-annual, and the supply community said that uh, we would see a five percent price growth through the year compared to 2017. And uh, now with the tariffs going into place, yeah, I think you can pretty much assume that that's going to be the case. I'd like to make a clarification. Uh, we've said it a couple of times since we're here on the show about the tariffs going into effect effectively today. Uh, that's only partially true. The steel pricing coming in from China actually has been in place since March 23rd uh, because that's when he first initiated the tariffs. Now they added the UK, Canada, and Mexico effective today. So uh, it has been in place. I know companies who have been um, absolutely boondoggled by the fact that the tariffs were put into place while ships were at sea. So it's uh, there are people already feeling very uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I mean, right. I mean, the prices price went up to the tariff level, regardless of whether it's foreign steel Correct. or whether it's domestic steel. I mean, the, the market just rose right. to that high level. Sure, sure. But I, you know, uh, so I think the biggest issue really going forward here is the uh, reliable access to the steel, because now you've got to do customs clearance with money transferring hands from the buyer, depending on how you bought it, from the buyer to the government. So. I mean, now you have that whole uncertainty of actually money. And, and, yeah, you're right, China has been tariffed, but I don't think China's a really big piece of the 18% of our steel that we import. So no, now you're talking about essentially doing it. The only one that's going to be waived from this, I believe, is South Korea because they agreed to an 80% limit compared to last year, I think. And so they're, uh, they're going to be tariff-free. But they're going to get the benefit but- of the tariff price. But they also don't want to screw up this potential summit that's coming also. So they're playing nicey-nicey with the South Koreans. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. What, you know, another element of uncertainty in the global economic cycle. Yes, as Tim would call it, the headwind. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, right. the headwinds. Uh, Tim, I see the customer inventory sitting at 39.6. I'm going to guess, and I'll let you clarify, that that's an impact of supplier deliveries being slower to manufacturers, and manufacturers' inventories hovering at 50.2. So there's a downstream trickle effect, and I'm also going to guess that demand remains high, thus customer inventories are very low. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like that customer inventory number, because... uh, things are so hot that the customer is not holding on to any inventory. They're converting it into a sale, which you would expect them to do. And so as soon as they can get the produced material from our business community, they're turning around and selling it rather than putting it on the shelf to be sold at some later date. And, you know, that would be one of the signs that things are uh, either stabilizing. Uh, That would be one of the signs that things are stabilizing when you see that customer inventory number get closer to the 47, 48 level. In the meantime, it's okay. just way off the mark. To support your uh, point here, uh, we're now seeing with our uh, customers at All Metals and Forge Group that we have now started seeing uh, LTA contracts 
long-term agreement contracts where they're buying goods today for today, tomorrow, next month, and as far out as six months. So the LTA number is really a, a, a very interesting number to look at, and I look at that all the time. Yeah, that's a good number. So are they? Uh, the, you know, well, are they trying to lock up your capacity, or are they fixing your prices too? I would guess that you no, probably wouldn't let them do the latter. <laughs> well, actually, no. <laughs> uh, we're letting them fix. We're letting them uh, adjust, uh, uh, keep the price uh, consistent for six months, and then after that, we would add a and uh, uh, a surcharge uh, at a maximum level. And uh, you know they they seem they seem to buy it, and so that's okay by me. Well, that's a good supplier partner approach. Absolutely, nice. nice yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we love doing that. And when we say we're going to partner with somebody, we really mean it. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Well, Tim, absolutely sounds like Tim, it. Tim, it's interesting because at your conference uh, in May, we sat in on one of the sessions where there was a discussion about what the tariffs and quotas, which quotas weren't highly talked about, were going to do to steel demand. And it was very clear that there could be shortages come July, August, and people were going to probably get real nervous in terms of the supply chain and buyers trying to figure out where they're going to get steel and aluminum because they're... Every, the demand is going to rise so dramatically against uh, production levels that you know those shortages are going to hit. So I'm going to be interested to see how things like uh, supplier deliveries perform in the next couple of months, particularly in the steel arena. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that analysis because I, you know, I think we and we've talked about this from the beginning that steel generally had a lead time of eight to ten weeks before all this went into play, and most likely the steel lead time got shoved out to 12 to 14 weeks. And then it probably used to take a buyer maybe 10 days to convert a request for steel purchase to a purchase order. And when you throw in big price increases in there, you know that 10 days probably went to at least 20, uh, maybe even longer. So yeah. if you do the kind of uh, supply chain analysis, you can really see that the, the impacts of that whole change back in March probably started to hit our factories now and will continue to hit our factories in the June, July timeframe. So I, I'm not as concerned about having the mill capacity to satisfy demand. I'm currently more concerned about the, the pricing and availability uncertainty that tariffs threw in caused buyers to freeze a little bit until they understood and got approval to go ahead and pay higher prices. And that's now going to show up, you know, starting May and through the summer. That's holes in the schedule. Right, right. You know, the other interesting part we haven't touched on yet, Tim, and I want you to get to is uh, exports and imports, particularly imports. We certainly have not seen imports slow down uh, because of tariffs. I don't know how much of the import number is steel and aluminum, but imports still are growing uh, a little slower but strong. Yes, they are. They've been uh, they've actually been slowing, softening a little bit over the last few months. I think a lot of that has to do with. Uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can you still hear me? Clear. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of static in the background, but uh, 
Yeah, I think the, the imports have been softening over the last three or four months, but I think that's primarily due to the Asian holiday period where, you know, imports really ramp up before the holiday. And then, you know, it takes almost 30 days to get stuff over the water. So uh, it takes a while for that to kind of normalize. So I, I don't think a 54 number on the imports is a bad thing. I think that uh, it's probably going to sit 54 to 55 going forward. And on the export side, we had a lot of comments about currency issues. So and the fact that the U.S. dollar is getting stronger and that there's a belief that maybe that will provide some headwinds going forward. Well, we're certainly beginning to see uh, the Fed, uh, you know, look at ratcheting up rates, which, of course, is going to change a lot of dynamics here fairly quickly. So I think you're right in that is uh, we'll have to see whether or not the uh, Fed rates going up is going to impact uh, your reports in the future months. Uh, do you have any sense of that? What what is what generally happens to the report, uh, Tim, when the Fed raises rates? Well, I mean, it starts to, uh, you know, it starts to, to make everything a little bit more expensive, right? And, uh, you know, as, as we talked about the ISM conference, I mean, the whole inversion of the yield curve is the thing to really watch for an indicator of maybe the beginning of the decline. So the common belief is that the uh, yield curve won't invert for quite some time, and then it probably will take six months to a year to to actually result in a uh, in a recession. So, uh, the, you know, the common feeling is that we've still got a couple more years of this thing. And I think if you if you look at the quality of our expansion here compared to the last three expansions prior to this, I, you know, I would I would argue that uh, looking at the technical numbers, that the quality here is much higher. And uh, if the quality of this is much higher, then you can also argue that it's going to run about as long as the longest one has. And our longest cycle was in the 02, 03 time frame through to, you know, the subprime mortgage collapse. And that was a 56-month cycle. And right now we're sitting here at 21 months. So you, know, you could argue, depending on whether the Fed raises rates quickly, you know, we've still got a ways to go here. So, but, you know, there's a couple of things here with the Fed raising rates. So, and, and a lot of our business uh, panel survey community has commented that they intend to pass the price increases through to the ultimate client. So if they're able to actually do that, then I think if and when that happens, and the, and the belief is that it's starting to happen now and it will carry through to Q, Q3, that you're going to see inflation. I mean, if they, if they pass it on to the eventual consumer, the Fed's going to see that as inflation, and it's probably going to exceed the target level. Uh, if they don't pass it on, it means margin compression for our companies even if they offset some of it with productivity improvements. So if there's margin compression, you're going to see a stock market decline probably in Q3. So it's going to be really interesting the next three or four months from the standpoint of whether the market has the ability to push these price increases through, uh, you know, what that will mean to the interest rate and the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the Dow Jones number. Right. Well, as, soon as, as these tariffs are coming in, particularly on consumer consumer goods you know the walmarts are not going to take the hit on the tariffs they're going to just ratchet it up uh, the day after tomorrow uh this the steel the steel industry uh has already been doing that so you know inflation is bound to to arise well yeah we'll see how that goes i mean it, you know the other thing that's happening here is you know we've had a synchronous expansion 
for the last nine months. I mean, all the major economies in the world have been in the positive territory. And, you know, some of the comments we got on the export side was that Europe might be softening a little bit. And if you see uh, Europe was actually on an annualized basis, they were down below a 2% growth profile for the year, which, uh, you know, tends to, and if you recall, six or nine months ago, Europe was, was a positive sign from the standpoint of U.S. manufacturing output. China has struggled a little bit again, too, uh, and the, I think the copper prices reflect that. And then Japan, I think, has actually uh, stopped expanding, which, uh, and, and that's, I mean, Japan has been the, the one economy that struggled for many, many years, and now it seems like it's not expanding as fast as it was three or four months ago. So so we'll see what the synchronous economy, you know, the global economy is going to have. I, mean, I think everybody's now looking to the U.S. to continue a pretty strong expansion here. I think the the, uh, I think the Fed came out with a 2.2% Q1 expansion, down from 2.3, to, yeah, 2.2 down from 2.3, a, a tenth of a decline, 100 basis points. So, uh, you know, and we'll see. And I think they're forecasting a strong Q2, somewhere in the plus 3% range. So, uh, it, it, you know, if you look at the PMI, it sure feels that way. And what does your uh, number? Tim, correspond to in terms of gross domestic product? Yeah, let's see. I, I'm uh, Hold on a second here. Let's get to that page. Uh, my, my feeling on this one is that it's over time, so it's really hard to just kind of even take, it, take a 12-month period. But we do right. track it. Let's see. 4.8%. So let's see. Uh, 4.8%. For May at our, yeah, 4.8%. <laughs> Real of real GDP, yeah. So it's you know, yeah. I think it's yeah. So you need to look at it over the longer term. I think. Um, so, but you know, yeah, we're, we're our high. Yeah, you would, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. No kidding. We all would. I mean, a half yeah, right. a point is a fantastic expansion, don't you think? I, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. so excited about four point eight. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, the last three quarters, we were uh, over 3%. And, uh, you know, there was a very positive outlook going into this year. And we thought that this year would be better than last year. So, and I think that feeling is still the same, even if you uh, ignore the tariff impacts. So, especially if you ignore the tariff impacts. So, you know, we ended last year uh, very positively. So, there's really no reason to believe that this wouldn't be a 3-plus percent year. The question is, is it... Mm north of is it closer to three five uh, uh, you know hopefully things like these artificial injections of of uh you know trade activity don't really derail us i mean the biggest worry right now i think outside of the ability to reliably access steel in the short term is any kind of counteraction by any of our trading partners in response to this and and that could lead to all kinds of things you know especially uh, they appear to be targeted to our agricultural uh, economy, and, and that's an important part of our exports and uh, and the overall economy and the voting base, right? Right. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting that uh, China, uh, uh, last week and the week before, started shutting down their steel mills, uh, claiming that they are uh, addressing EPA issues in China, and they're looking to develop more towards, uh, you know, technology-related products. So they're kind of giving a kick in the pants to the steel industry, which has now had tariffs imposed against them. So they're going to be 
producing less anyway. Uh, and now they're shutting down uh, many of the mills that are in bad areas where the, uh, the smog and pollution is very bad. So it, here it seems as though that it's foolhardy that we imposed a steel tariff against China, which is only producing 2% of the steel coming into the country, and now they themselves are shutting down their steel mills. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure which game we're playing here. Who's playing well, I the think game? Part of it is a, and I think part of what they're trying to do here in Europe and Mexico and Canada is to stop that material or slow it down from coming into the U.S. If they slow it down, right. then they're going to slow down Chinese imports into those countries. But, you know, I, I used to do a lot of business in Europe as a multinational, and importing Chinese steel into Europe was harder than importing Chinese steel into the U.S. in either raw right? or finished form. So... My guess is Chinese steel is not in a big way into Europe. I mean, it, the Turkish steel was much easier to get than Chinese steel, and and it's a, it was at a value savings, you know, compared to the traditional, you know, German, French, Dutch steel mills. So, I mean, that's the go-to place for Europeans. It wasn't for China, and, and we tried several times. Now, finished par- pro- parts is a different story, but nobody's tariffing finished or semi-finished parts or tariffing pretty much the raw forms. Well, in either case, it's all looking very good, and uh, you did a great job. And if you keep this up, you're getting closer and closer to the yellow jackets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to that day. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, it's a great day. It was was a great May. Tim, in the overall, what are we looking for uh, both in this report and uh, coming up in, uh, you know, the next 60, 90 days? Kind of your wrap-up. Well, I, th- I think we're going to see uh, we're still going to see demand remaining where it is. I think the tariff, any kind of retaliatory tariff impacts, won't really show up for a couple of months. So I think we'll see demand still remain strong. I don't think customer inventories will really come back any uh, more significantly. I think backlogs might back off a little bit, but not significantly. They'll be over. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be maybe a point, point and a half low where they are. Consumption seems to be pretty good. The production side seems to be set. Labor side seems to be set. My biggest concern would be supplier deliveries. I don't think you're going to see that number go up, but I do think because of suppliers' difficulties, you're going to see the inventory account contract, which means you'll probably see the PMI come down a point or so. And it's going to come down a point or so simply because we're not able to build up the inventory to the extent that we want, not that we're not being able to satisfy customer demand. So not a, not a bad decline, Great. but uh, I would rather see a growth or you know a steady state expansion. But uh, I don't I don't see how the inventory count will be able to maintain a over 50 level. That will be interesting to watch, Tim. We appreciate you joining us every month on uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio to talk about this report in depth. We really appreciate all the insights you provide. Thanks for being with us again. All right, thanks, gentlemen. See you next month. You take care. All right. We'll talk to you then. Well, Lou, everything's looking good. Uh, Gosh, this will be a great show to post up on Manufacturing Talk Radio at MFGTalkRadio.com. I'm sorry we can't have kind of a similar something or other for our other show, Women in Manufacturing, although the the interviews there with accomplished women are so exceptional that that we're running, we're trying to keep up with them, I think. (laughs) 
we're, we're getting so many emails and uh, compliments and congratulations on the efforts that the hosts are doing and the storylines and so on. And uh, uh, we've got a couple of surprises coming down the road with regards to Wham. Uh, so, you know, keep tuning in to that. It's women and A-N-D M-F-G dot com. Women and manufacturing dot com. And uh, we've got a bunch of surprises coming, and we're going to be doing a, a lot more shows, a lot more specials. So uh, I don't want to give too much away. You'll just have to tune in. <laughs> and everybody check out mfgtalkradio.com. That's the main website. You'll always find a link there to women and manufacturing. What's great about those sites is that we contain the entire inventory of every show that we've ever done. You can search it by subject matter, or you can just kind of run through them. But all of the material is there. A lot of it's evergreen, so feel free to check us out at mfgtalkradio.com. We appreciate all of our listeners, and we hope that you stay tuned for future shows. We've got a couple of exciting ones coming up next week, so keep in tune with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.